At the end of the day, you can invest no matter how the economy is. You just have to look at your financial situation as a person. In a really tough financial situation, you may only want to put a hundred bucks. You can always put something away. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome back, my great to wealth listeners. Today, we're going to be speaking to Kevin Rodas. Kevin, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Good. Thank you again for coming on the show. You're the first financial planner that we have on the show. I'm super excited, especially given what's happening in the market right now. I'm super excited to talk to you. So thank you for taking the time. Everybody's excited about what's happening right now. <laughs> I know. Seriously, man. It's crazy world right now. Before we go that, we will go there during our conversation, Kevin. Give a brief introduction about who you are, what you do, who are you with, then we'll go from there. Yeah, man. So as you said, my name is Kevin. You know, I'm a pretty much almost a financial advisor, right? I work with, uh, you know, a couple of different companies. You know, most recently right now, with I'm with New York Life, which a lot of people know for insurance, but they also have financial advisors like myself. And I've been in finance, man, since I was... 19, I started as a teller at Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. And I basically built my whole career at Wells Fargo for the, for the most part until recently. I moved up through the ranks, through banker and all that stuff, got my yeah. licenses and all that. And they basically paid for everything, which was pretty cool. So that's one thing, you know, I always tell people, you know, speaking of finance, it's like, you know, you can really grow your career anywhere you want as long as right. you put the time in, regardless of what you're doing. You know, a lot of people push how did you how, how did you end up being in finance? Was honestly, that what you man, always wanted to do? Or how did you get in there? Honestly, man, 100% honest. It just kind of just happened. Like, I, um, yeah. and I think it's kind of like already in my blood. Like, my mom has a business. She was in accounting. Mm-hmm. My dad has a businesses. My cousin was in banking. But it's not something that I sat there and said, oh, this is what I want to do. I actually right. wanted to be a nurse. You wanted to be a nurse? Yeah, I wanted to be a nurse. Wow, man. That's quite a pivot, Kevin. Yeah, and I, and I was started going to uh, college and started taking prereqs and stuff like that. Yeah. To do nursing. Even did some, what do you call those, when you volunteer or whatever. I did yeah. some of that stuff to go see if like nursing field was what I wanted to do. But after a while, I just kind of like, I can't see myself doing this. Right. Let's go deeper a little bit. What? prompted you to become a nurse like why was that an option did you, oh, just, did you see somebody did you see somebody in your family what's going on i see my friend's mom and aunt they have they made pretty good money and they were nurses. oh i like so, it i like it so you love money there you go that's I, good. I like money so that's that's really that's really all it was I man really there was no nothing else behind it besides the money right and then you kind yeah. of just learn that's not always sometimes the most important thing right Correct, 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 correct. So, yeah, I mean, so it was money. Money is why I wanted to be a nurse. And then as I started kind of getting more into it, I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> what specific part of being a nurse was not for you? Is it just working hours? Because uh, for me, man, I can't see the side of the blood. If I see the side of the blood, I'm going to die. So um, what was it for you? I think it was, it was the hours. It was the way that the things that they did, like you got to have a heart to be a nurse. And I think that's why, you know, yeah. a lot of women are nurses. Right. Women are more nurturing than men are. Right. right. You know, just right. biologically, that's just how it is. Not all necessarily all the time, but like for me, I was like, yeah, I can't do it. I don't have the heart. I can't handle it. I was like, I don't have the stomach for it. I was like, 
I'm cool. You know, yeah, so. no, I hear you. I hear you, man. I hear you. So then what happened from there? From there, you jumped to finance because a completely different shift, right? If you stayed at least in the medical industry, it would have made a logical sense that how did you pivot from that to finance? So as I was going to college and stuff, I just kind of realized it just wasn't for me. I just yeah. didn't like college. I didn't care for it. I didn't like, I didn't care for studying, but I, I was like, I gotta, I gotta at least try. But, you know, I wasn't very fortunate as far as like, you know, like I come from a very poor background, right? So my mom wasn't going to pay for all my college and all this stuff. So I was like, well, I got to work, you know? So I started, my cousin was like, you know, I can uh, help you get a job at the bank if you want to work at the bank. Uh-huh. I was like, sure, man. I was like, I'll work wherever, you know, I was like, yeah. I need a job. And so he got me a job at the bank and it just kind of went from there, to be honest. So uh, did you drop out of the college at that point, Kevin, or are you still with the college? You're still attending the college while you're working? No, so I was still attending college and I was working. So I was doing both. I was kind of like going part time and stuff like that. Yeah. And for a brief moment, I started going, I quit working. I started working less and going full time. Right. And I was okay. just working on the weekends and stuff like that at the bank and, and on Fridays, things like that. And they were pretty cool because they would work with my schedule. They were paying some of my classes, right? Because I switched my majors eventually to business. Yeah, but it just wasn't for me. Like as much as I, I was trying to do it, I was like, this just was not for me. I was like, I can't do school. That was basically me. I was like, I can't do school, so I just couldn't do yeah. it. And so then I ended up eventually just stopped going. Right, like I just completely stopped going, and and I was like, all right, well, you know, I was like, let me just work my job and see what I end up doing. Mm-hmm. And you know, with time, I just kind of started moving on by the bank, and I was started thinking I make a career out of it. Yeah. Until I started meeting other people at the bank, like people that had money, like a lot right. of money, like my clients, right? And then I started picking the brain, kind of learning from them. And they've taught me a lot, to be honest. My clients. So what? What were some of those learnings, Kevin? Help us understand that. So of course, it seemed like you've had taken a quite a journey, right? So it doesn't seem like you hate learning. You just didn't like the way you were being taught at the college. Right, because you're definitely yeah, I think that was curious. More, I think that was my. I think it was more just I, I didn't. It wasn't for me to sit behind that desk right. and listen to the teacher and stuff. And it just wasn't for me. So I would pick my uh, clients' brains and I would ask them a lot of questions and I would ask them about what they thought about you know how they did this, how they got their money and stuff like that. A lot of them started learning were doing it. You know, they had really good careers, which mm-hmm. you know obviously I had a pretty decent career. It wasn't bad, or they had. What do you call it? Or they were just very smart and they had a business, right? Yeah. And a lot of them were business owners. To be honest, a lot of my clients that had a lot of money were business owners. Hmm. That's what I learned was like, oh, wow, like you have a business. Because a lot of them didn't pay a lot of taxes. So right. People don't know when you have a business. That, so let's just qualify that. They were not trying to hide taxes. They were using the tax laws to their advantage through business because businesses are incentivized. Exactly. So like that's where I started learning how, how smart they were because I was like, man, like if you own a business, like you could have a doctor making, you know, four hundred thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars a year. But if you have a business making five hundred thousand dollars a year, the business owner makes you keep more. more. You keep more. Yeah. And then yeah. if you become a full time investor, you keep even more. Exactly. Yeah, sorry, what was that? That's where I learned most of my stuff was from my clients. So, so help client. us understand the first conversation you had with client, right? So, of course, you're now at the bank and you're working or dealing with people with money now. 
how did you approach your client give us do you remember, do you remember the first conversation what, what was going through your mind i would get nervous at first to be honest just because you know like these people have money i come from a poor background like i'm like i don't know i don't know how they you know what they're gonna think you know yeah. me and, and then all that stuff and and, I, and it would uh it would scare me a little bit be lying if i said it, it didn't but i kind of would just like i don't know i just be myself and that i think that in the long run has always helped me in life to be honest i just always yeah. been myself you know obviously as my career went on i became a little bit more professional but as you can see like even today like i'm sitting here with you and i'm wearing a hat and a hoodie that's just who i am i've that's never good, tried to, yeah i've never tried to be something i'm not i don't forget where i come from and you know a lot of people are like oh once you have money you have to act some way you have to do this and i'm like i mean i do i am very professional when i'm sitting down with you you have money but the thing was you know when people hear me talk and we start talking about money it's how you sound and that's what right. really sounds you know, it's what you say. Do you know your stuff? Do you know what you're talking about? Correct. Right? Correct. And that, for me, that's what's helped me out. So when when I sit down with these people, it's just getting me getting to know them. I just ask them like, "Hey, how's it going?" You know, my name's Kevin. You know, and, and I would just introduce myself, and and I just get to know them. That's it. Just get to know them like normal people. And I think when people feel like you're not coming after them for their stuff, right? They're more to to get to know you, to talk to you, and to see what. You got to offer what you can do for them. I think that's very well said, man, Kevin. It's all in how well you can treat people. It's less about how much money you make. But I also believe that, you know, you don't want to have transactional relationship. A lot of people are trying to figure out what can I get from you? Can I get a free advice from you? Or can I get something from you? And if you can't offer me anything, I don't want to waste my time with you, right? But I don't think that's the approach you took. You're engaging all the conversation. Of course, you targeted a certain demographic. Because you needed to pick their brain, which is great, but you're still treating them like human beings. And if they said, no, you don't want to share, that does not mean you're, you're going to have any problems with them. You're still going to treat them with respect. Uh, exactly. Right. Yeah, everything for me was just, you know, if, and I got people that were very rude to me many times. Yeah. You know, I got people curse at me, people told me to F up, you know, all mm. those kind of things. You know? Wow. And that happened mostly when I make calls. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, nobody wants to get sold on the phone. Of course, uh, of course. But yeah, man, I mean, even through those times, like I never took offense to it. You know, I was like, you yeah. know, a bad day. No, it's good for you, man. Good for you, Kevin. That's an amazing thing. And of course, you've come a long way from when, from where you started as a teller to where you're now helping those rich people also putting their money to the right place, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And you're showing folks how to carve out their own path of migration to wealth, which is amazing. So on that note, Kevin, right now, what is, there's so much chaos in the market. That's why I was actually excited to talk to you. There's so much chaos going on in the market right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, of course, inflation is not an old news anymore. I think this is a constant thing that is happening. It's going up. The interest rates are going up. The yeah. banks are, some of the banks are in trouble. Give us the macro picture of what your thesis is, high level. And of course, I know you're licensed, so you may not be allowed to say a certain thing, so which is perfectly fine. So with yeah, the yeah. boundaries of what you're allowed to say, help us understand, help us paint a picture there. I will tell you my picture of my perspective of what I believe for myself. Yeah. Right. And you take as you wish, you can take it as how you want. I'm not, yeah. I'm not a, anybody. But um, I mean, for myself individually, I am, you know, very bearish on the market long term. 
Mm-hmm. I think I'm very bullish right now in the short term. I think that the Fed will always find a way to try to save things the longer they can stall it, right? I think of the Fed like pulling a bandaid on somebody. They pull the bandaid, but the problem is they're pulling the bandaid so slow because that's yeah. they don't want people to be scared, right? right? So they're going to do whatever. They'll throw money at the market. They'll, I can't say that market makers and the Fed that they lie. I cannot mm-hmm. say that. Prove it, but you know, to each his own, you take that opinion for yourself, right? right? But um, it is a very scary time. And I do think that long term, we may see some downfall. I honestly think that we will see the market, this even including the real estate market, take a hit, you know? Yeah. I'm very big on that. I tell people, I'm like, unless you have the money, like if you have the money, I would not buy a house right now. That's what I say. That's when you say money. unless you have the money, unless you have yeah, the like, down like, payment, so or unless like, you have the money to do what? Like as far as like, let's say you got a million dollars, you know, saved up, or like you're in a, a very well, very good position financially for yourself, right? Where you you don't see yourself losing your job, you don't see yourself having to worry about money. You have a good amount of money saved up, you know, all, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. If you see that, then you should be fine, right? Yeah. It's the housing market's always a good thing to buy. As long as you know you're going to be okay, do it because, you know, I mean, long-term, we all know, long-term, the, the housing market's always going to be okay. Right. You know, now, if we're talking about the short-term, like I saw right now, I honestly believe that we will eventually take a hit in the housing market. Mm-hmm. I mean, people think we have already, but... I mean, I check, and this is not something that I even advise people on, right? That's not something I do. But I do tell my own friends, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, be careful with your money. Be careful what you're doing. Right. You know, try to buy a house, this and that, because I do tell people, I'm like, man, anything can happen. And honestly, I, I see it kind of going sideways pretty soon, you know? And I tell people yeah, no, I think time. that's an interesting observation, right? Because I'm, uh, we're in alternative assets. We're definitely not in the Wall Street. For our portfolio and for our investors, we always look at it, things like, why are you buying a certain asset? Are you trying to flip it in the next week, in the next month, in the next year? Or are you yeah. going to hold on to it for the next 10, 15, 20 years? Because eventually, yeah. in the next 10, 15, 20 years, most of the assets, if, especially the hard assets, you're going to be fine. Right. It's just that if the price fluctuation is going to bother you, like a very good friend of mine is looking to buy a house and he's nervous about buying a house because the house price may go down. Like the question we were talking about was, you know, but how long are you going to stay in that house if everything works out? Right. If you have the money, if you have the finances, if you have the cash flow coming in the way it is, how long can you see yourself in that house? Like about 15 years. I'm like, the, really, the question is not about will the price go down? It's can you sustain this house for 15 years? If that yeah. answer is correct, eventually your prices, at least at the nominal level, if not in the real terms, is going to be fine. Exactly. And I mean, because you look at everybody wants to talk about 08 right now, right? Because that's what yeah. you think about. 08, 08. And I personally do not think it will be that bad. And like I said, I could be completely wrong. It could be right. worse. Right. Yeah. So I do think it's going to be bad. I just don't think it'll be that bad just because there's more regulation. Right. But a couple of things I look at is and this is coming from me as an investor, not me as an advisor, right? Because I don't help people with buying houses. Right. But me as an investor who has invested in real estate since 2014, which is how I've made most of my money, mm-hmm. right? 
because you look at the housing properties right now, when you look around anywhere, there's price cuts everywhere. There are sure. houses, there's houses on there for 60 to 90 days. Right. You look at the big markets like Dallas, Houston, California, they have the market in California is just slowly going down, right? Yeah. And that's what people in California who make, a lot of people here make six figures. And that's funny because most people are like, man, you're making six figures. I'm like, no, dude, I need six figures to just to pay my bills. You pay my bills, yeah. <laughs> and and you, you know? get taxed like the 50% tax bracket because it's it's California, not California. It's California. Uh, that's, that is 100% yeah. right. It's California over here, man. It's insane. Like, I mean, the amount of money that we get taxed, I mean, I've been pretty blessed to learn the tax code very well, so I don't even pay California taxes. Yeah. Good for you. But, uh, I mean, that is the show is about, right? Because you want to, it's really not about how much you make. It's about it's how much you really keep. about how much you keep, right? You could make a million dollars and pay 50% taxes, or you can pick 500, $500, 500K and pay zero taxes. Your keep yeah. is the same. So it doesn't matter how much you make. It all depends upon how efficiently you made that money and how much of that you get to keep on a yearly I'm basis. Right, I'm right with you. Yeah, no, I'm right with you. So, yeah. I mean, we luckily, like, I've been able to learn things pretty well, like I said, from people, and it's helped me out a lot. Helped me out That's lot, good, man. You know? That's good. So help us, Kevin, understand, you know, the last week has been crazy, you know, with Signature Bank, with New York Signature Bank, with SVB. With Goldman Sachs having exposure to SVB, how are you looking at this information? And where, if somebody has their money in one of these banks or they have a large position, especially beyond the FDIC limit, how are you thinking? And feel free to say you can't respond because you're an advisor. I understand you're an advisor and you may not be able to say a lot of things you want to say because you have to be careful. So I understand that. So within the constraints of what you can say, help us understand how you're thinking about this. Well, you know, the, Here's the thing. At the end of the day, I think that you can invest no matter how the economy is. You set up to look at your financial situation as a person, right? Yeah. If you're in a really tough financial situation, you may only want to put a hundred bucks. I think you can always put something away because when you look at your budget, that's the biggest thing I tell people. Because I, I have clients of all kinds. I have clients, you know, being in New York Life, I help people with life insurance too. Mm -hmm. So I have clients who, you know, their net worth is nothing, right? And they have a salary and they make maybe 50 grand a month, I mean, a year. And I still can help them save money, right? And then I have clients who are making, you know, $5 million a year. And there it's a different area. But as far as like, you know, you tell me about the banks and everything that's happening, I always say, you know, the big banks are usually okay. Because let's be honest, I mean it's happened before, it's happened many times and it'll probably happen again. But if something happens to the big banks, who bails them out? Yeah, they're gonna get bailed out, right? So it's always the case. I mean uh, Always, in the end, always like, bailing out the right thing or left or wrong thing, that's a different debate, but they're not going to let a JP Morgan Chase or banks like that fail. That's just exactly. It's just, I mean, if that happens, I don't think your issues even worrying about where you're investing. Completely agree. You got a much bigger, it's like a Hiroshima on the US, right? Kind of like, you don't, you need to worry about your life and other things than worry yeah, about your investments. I'm looking at America as a third world country, right? right? I mean, right. literally, if you see, and, and a lot of people, one thing I don't like, I really do not like this about numbers in the market and media and finance, because I'm also uh, guilty of it myself sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's something that people are always like, oh, I can't wait for everything to broke down. I can buy a house. I can do this and, this and that. 
The one thing I don't like about that is you forget how many people get hurt throughout that process. Correct. We lose our humanity throughout that. And I don't mm -hmm. like that. Numbers, numbers and money makes people lose their humanity, yeah. right? That's something I, I'm not a fan of because you see this bank situation right now you're talking about and people are scared. They're in fear. They're at the door at five in the morning trying to go take out their money because they're right. tripping. Like that just shows you how much, you know, people are scared. You know, people are worried. And, and to you, maybe a hundred dollars is not a lot, but to that one person, that hundred dollars right. might be all they have to feed their kids. Right. You know? So that's one thing I'm not a fan of with this situation, but I will say that there have been bank failures in the past few years. They just don't talk about them as much. If you look at the account, mm -hmm. you can find information. There has been a few bank failures recently. I do think that there will be more. I do think so. I do right. because I do think that I couldn't say which banks or what, but I, I could say that I do think there will be more. You look at the situation with the forbearance. That was a big issue. And a lot of banks were not fans of pushing the payments to the end of the loan. Right. Right. So there's a lot of people who may have done a forbearance for six months, a year, two years. And if you cannot have all that money to pay that back, Right. Now you're talking about bankruptcy. Right. And the more right. of those houses that they have, the more the bank gets into having problems, right? And that's going right. to cause domino effect. You wow, know, man. so that's it's such an interesting world. And of course, a lot to be unfolded as it's going to happen in, everyone, in front of everyone's eyes. So how are you telling your clients right now? What are you telling them? What are the top two or three things you're saying? Of course, big banks move the money to the big banks, right? Uh, yeah, big yeah. banks are always good. I mean, I know a lot of people hate big banks, but big banks are good. Yeah. Big credit unions are always good. I mean, like, you right. know, in California, we have the Delcom Travis Credit Union, the, the huge big credit unions. I don't know, you know, what credit unions are like. They have different states, but they're usually pretty good. So are credit unions usually better, than, safer than the banks? Help me understand that because I, I don't know that. So it's more of a curiosity um, from my end. How do you look at, you know, like a DCFU or, or stuff like that where... These credit unions are well-established, but I've never heard a credit union failing. And maybe I just, I, maybe I they honestly, do, I just don't hear it. I honestly think they're usually pretty safe, you know, because they yeah. they, they're very good to their customers and very good to their clients. The problem is when you're trying to grow, when you're trying to have certain things done, credit unions can't do them, right? Like if you travel out of state, it gets harder, right? right? right. Trying to talk more about investments, it gets harder. Got it. You know, I mean, me personally, I have a big bank and I have a credit union. So yeah. I'm the best. What about treasuries? Uh, How are you thinking about T bills right now? The short term T bills? I uh, can't say much about that, but uh, I will say, yeah, but I will say that they're safe. They're, they're always pretty safe. I bonds, too. They're always right. pretty safe. Mutual right. fund, right? So if people want to invest, those are things to look at, right? Mutual funds are always pretty safe because they're diversified, right? So you protect right. it if the market goes down, you protect it if the market goes up, right? So right. you're looking at getting an average rate of, you know, some mutual funds give you 20% and then when they're negative, they'll only be negative like 10%, right? Life okay. insurance is another, you know, you look at life insurance as well, like whole life and variable life and those kind of things same scenario they're always pretty safe nothing is now we tell this to people though nothing is guaranteed yeah not even the guaranteed. cash in your mattress is guaranteed though because you look at that the cash in your mattress is not worth it's what it was worth you yeah we had yeah right right i right. mean in reality and i told you this earlier i'm a risk taker so i mean in reality you gotta take you don't have to be me don't be me 
<laughs> but you gotta take a little bit of risk. You know, a lot of people are very old school with the keep cash, you know, keep cash in your mattress. But I'm like, right. it's good to have cash. I'm saying don't have any cool. cash. If you cool. have cash, you know, and you feel comfortable having it at home, that's fine. But yeah, like we said, but I mean, there are other ways to hold cash, right? And I know you may have been, may not be able to say that, but precious metal, buy gold, buy silver. Because if the market does go down, gold goes up. I'm going to look at what's happening with the price of the gold right now. I have a very strong feeling, and I think that's probably true, is people are scared of the banks. So they're just going towards what they know the best, which is gold and silver, right? Mm-hmm. And if there is a bank run and the cash crunch is there, you can always use silver coins to pay for your bread, to pay for the yeah. food, to pay for your rent, right? You can always use that against something else that you need to survive. The worst problems always get fixed. 30 to 70 days, everything will be normal. We're trying to make sure that can you survive for those 30 to 70 days, right? 30, 90 days, maybe two to three months. If you can survive, you need to have reserves for that. And precious metal is not bad. Um, no. Now, you need to buy it and not buy an ETF. You need to have a physical possession of those. So you have to do it sensibly. You don't want to announce to everybody that you're doing it. Um, yeah, guys <laughs> yeah my gold guys here's a twenty thousand dollar gold that i'm buying come have a party at my house right you don't want to do that but it's good to keep some always i definitely agree i think it's good to have some i have i think there's a lot of different ways you can actually even technically buy like gold etfs on the stock yeah market. they exist right so if you don't want to you're like, I don't know where to go buy gold. Maybe it's too expensive Correct. to go buy it from the store down the street. You just, you know, cash to gold places and stuff. But you can go online and you can buy, actually, there's gold ETFs. You can buy or you can talk Correct. to your advice. I'll be with that as well. Yeah. No, that's true, man. That's true. Kevin, well, this is a lot of good information here, man. And I'm sure as we keep continue talking, we're going to, we're going to get more nuggets from you. But I want to respect your time here. So what, help us understand, Kevin. In your journey through your life from literally rack to riches, from where you started to where you are, if you were to go back to your 20-year-old self, your 17-year-old self, right? What are some of the insights you'll share with them? If I was to go back to who I met, you know, I, I would have told myself to buy more properties. Yeah. When I, was, I was lucky enough to buy five. Awesome. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Between 2014 and 2019, I bought five properties. Yeah. And if I was to go back, I would have told myself to budget myself better because I was a spender and I would spend a lot of money. I was making six figures and I was living off six figures. Right. You know, I mean, the more I made every time, the more I was spending. And which is like the more your lifestyle, right? The more your lifestyle expanded. Yeah, it was, it's a problem in America. Everybody does it, you know, and I was guilty of it. The only difference was I was also buying properties as I was right. doing that, right? So every right. time, right. like, okay, cool, I'm going to go buy a house. Now I'll go buy a car. Yeah. Now I'm going to go buy a house. Now I'm going to get a newer car. Yeah. That was my problem, right? So instead of I should have been like, oh, I'm going to buy three houses, and then I'll go buy a car if I have some money left over, you know? Correct, correct. But... That's probably something I would have told myself back then. I also think that I would budget. Budgeting is so important. People don't like to look at their accounts. They don't like to see how much they're spending. They don't. Budget is so important. You yeah. know, one thing I, I did do right was I always took care of my credit, which was mm-hmm. very important. Credit is very important. But I always also, as someone who took a lot of risk and messed up his credit for a moment, yeah, I will tell people that as long as you can bounce back if you mess it up, I mean, I've, I've done it. Correct. You know, so right. Don't think it's over. Like, oh man, what am I gonna do for right now? Right. You can bounce back. 
you know. That is awesome, Kevin. Kevin, last question, my buddy. So, um, before we let you go to your wonderful world of advising, where should the humanity move towards, man? Where do you see humanity migrating towards? Where's the need? Where's the gap? Do you seem somebody who's actually thought about it? I, I'm scared, to be honest. Yeah. I'm a very faithful man. And I love meeting people who are faithful, whether it be the same religion, different religious matter to me. Right. I think I think we all have different religions, but at the end of the day, I think there is just only one God. The path is the same. Path is the same, right? Yeah. I mean, they yeah. all. But the destination oh, is the same. Not the same too. When you listen to somebody yeah. else's religion, that's the reason right. like my story. Correct. Uh, I am very scared, man. To be honest with you, I think we are in a very not to get too into this kind of stuff, but I think as humanity, we're in a very, very fragile stage. Mm-hmm. There's two extremes that are way too extreme on both ends. You know, I think people are way too extreme on one side, way too extreme on the other. And I think that it's okay to be in the middle. And I think people have forgotten that, you know, you go back to the nineties and stuff and that was okay. I mean, in America, everything is about the Republican and the American parties, right? And it's like, who cares? Like, man, like, you know, what about people? Like, you know, what about people? Yeah. Yeah. And everybody feels like, oh, if you have a different opinion, then it's a horrible thing. And I I don't, I think it's good to listen to other people. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe they're wrong. Who knows? Yeah. You know, but, um, it does scare me a little bit. Mostly if the country's not able to get things together and we do have some type of collapse because it will be worldwide. And one thing about people is when there's fear. There's crime. People are worried about guns right now. Correct. Because something bad happens. You know, when there's really, I mean, things are already getting bad. I mean, there's a lot of people that are already losing their house, losing their jobs. There's layoffs. There's no people are hiring anymore. Nobody knows. And that creates fear. And when there's fear, there's this a scary world. No, I agree, man. I agree. So one of my mentors, Robert Kiyosaki, he always talks about there's no two sides of the coin. There are three sides of the coin. The head is the tail and the edge. You want to stand on the edge so you can look at the head and the tail mm-hmm. and keep both the perspectives in your brain and hold them together to make sure that whatever decision you're making, it's not because you're only seeing one side, you're seeing both sides. And then yep. you're making the decision, right? Which I think is, a, is what you're trying to say as well, as it's okay to be a Democrat, it's okay to be a Republican. We're not saying you can't, but what about humanity? And that's exactly. An important, that's an important perspective because that goes beyond your political affiliations. Yeah, just like religion. I mean, I'm a faithful, you know, Christian. I believe in God. And that doesn't mean that I don't have friends who aren't of a different religion. You know, I have Muslim friends, you know, and I like to listen to their stuff. And they tell me a lot of things like that. I have friends who are, you know, I have a friend who's a Buddhist. It's just like really random. Nice. But that's what he believes in. And I'm like, cool. And he's a very peaceful guy, you know. Right. Really cool guy. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Kevin, this is an interesting conversation, man. I think we can go on and on and on. And I really enjoyed talking to you here. But I want to be respectful of your time. So where can people find you, Kevin? Yeah, man. Anytime anybody wants to find me, you can email me at kevin at kr27group.com. K-R, um, K as in kite, R as in rabbit, K-R number two, seven group.com. Yep. That's a business that I used to have and I still use that email. Nice. So you can reach me out there. Or uh, you can also reach me at my Instagram handle, which it's always the best way to reach me is, is Instagram. And that's the same thing. It's kr27 underscore LLC. 
Got and it. That's, uh, Perfect. Underscore LLC. Yeah, people want to reach out to me and, uh, you know, they just have questions or they want, you know, just chat or anything, really. I mean, happy to just connect with anybody. I love meeting new people. So awesome, don't, don't feel like you're wrong with me. Yeah. We'll make sure the links are included in the show notes below, Kevin. You seem like a guy who can, who I can have beers with. So again, thank you. So I don't think you have, anyone will have an issue reaching out to you. And I, I applaud you to being who you are. Thank you again for doing all the great things in life and helping people like my audience to better their lives. So appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. And we'll stay in touch. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good thank one. Thank you. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.